to the Mainline Podcast. I'm Adam Jacquez, joined as always by my co-host Tyler Burton. We got a loaded podcast this evening. We're going to talk diamond sports here at the end as softball surges into the postseason and baseball maybe limps their way in at best. Um, but before we jump into that, we've got a special guest that we'll introduce here in just a moment as we welcome a new member to the Big 12 Conference, a new opponent in Cincinnati, and a really interesting road trip for a lot of OU fans. So uh, we'll get a good preview of that. But uh, Tyler, welcome. Good to see you again. And I'll give you the honors to introduce our guest. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Very excited to welcome on uh, tonight's guest to the podcast. Obviously, Oklahoma, this being the final season in the Big 12 Conference, they're going to be welcoming in four new opponents on the uh, on the schedule this year. And it is our, uh, you know, we are proud to be joined by Aaron Smith of Bearcat Journal of 247 Sports and uh, the Bearcat Bounce Podcast. So Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Excited to have you on, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, let's just kind of dive into it here. Obviously, uh, the Bearcats uh, of Cincinnati are very similar to OU in that they've had a uh, ton of success in the AAC, but now going to be making the jump to a little bit tougher competition in the Big 12. Uh, What are fans expecting from the Bearcats in their uh, inaugural season in this conference? The fans have no idea what to expect, and to be quite honest, neither do I. Uh, We have Luke Fickle, who went to Wisconsin and uh, essentially uh, took the entire staff for the most part, there were, there were maybe two holdovers, I believe. Um, and Ben Bryant just left the, the starting quarterback from the Bearcats a year ago, um, goes and transfers to Northwestern to finish out his career. And you have Emory Jones coming in to replace him from Arizona State. And you have Coach Scott Satterfield and his staff coming from Louisville. And the entire offense has pretty much been decimated at this point. So we have, we have no idea what to expect. You know, Scott Satterfield is kind of interesting to me because I feel like there's some parallels to a former Cincinnati coach in Tommy Tuberville, who OU fans are familiar with that came from Texas Tech in the sense that he was, (laughs) and I I know you probably hope he turns out a lot better than that. Um, But (laughs) the, the, the similarity I see is that Tuberville was at Texas Tech, maybe wasn't as appreciated at Tech as he was. He had a hard act to follow uh, in Mike Leach there. Satterfield in Louisville, somewhat similar. The fans at Louisville didn't seem like they were super gung ho about him in some ways, but now he moves to Cincinnati. What's the, what's the mood from the fan base around uh, Satterfield as he starts off his first year there? Uh, I I mean, I think we are all right now fairly concerned just with the, the way that the transfer portal is right now you lose. I think right now we have, 40 something guys who have, who've left at this point. And so you're, you're trying, you're trying to reload, um, not, not just reload at this point. It's not a reload when you're losing that many guys, you're, you're rebuilding. And so it's, I I can't place the blame on Scott Satterfield. It's, it's, he was kind of given a, a a bad hand to, to start off with. So I, I think there's, um, cautious optimism, but, you know, we're, we're coming off of a, a, we were in the CFP two years ago. So, I mean, there's, there's plenty for Cincinnati fans to hang their hat on right now. And there's a lot that this staff can use uh, in the tool belt to recruit. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even though you talk about the uncertainty, you know, what Cincinnati football, what that brand of football is going to look like going into this upcoming season, you know, new new coaching staff, a lot of new faces on this roster from top to bottom. But, you know, let, let's not forget about this, OU fans. Cincinnati's coming off of a 9-4 and four season, 6-2 and two in conference play, and, you know, three of those regular season losses were by a combined 14 points. So even in those games where Cincinnati came up short, they were competitive, you know, from start to finish. So, um 
you know, Aaron, uh, Cincinnati just lost last year's starting quarterback, like you alluded to, Ben Bryant, transferring to Northwestern out of the portal. Was this a big loss in the minds of the fan base, or is this could be something where I know that Emory Jones is on stat is on roster right now, maybe a couple new guys, uh, you know, kind of entering the fray. Is this something where Cincinnati fans are maybe a little bit more? Uh, optimistic and excited about what they could uh, expect to see from some of these new faces, or, or are we really just kind of kind of wait and see at this point still? Ben Bryant was probably largely underappreciated in his time at Cincinnati. Uh, I don't expect you guys to know this, but he did leave at one point and went to Eastern Michigan, where he started for a season uh, as he had battled Des Ritter for the starting job, left to go start for a season, came back and actually won the starting job uh, over Evan Prater, who is actually the highest ever recruited player for Cincinnati. And so last year there was plenty of clamoring all season long from the fan base for Evan Prater to get a chance to start. Well, Evan Prater was given that chance at the end of the season, and it didn't really go so well for him. That said, in comes Ben Bryant gets injured, which is why Evan Prater got that opportunity. And fast forward to... Ben Bryant is ahead of schedule. He's in spring ball. He's looking good in spring ball. He's fighting Emory Jones for the starting position. And there's, they're very different quarterbacks. And Ben saw an opportunity. He wants to go to the NFL. That's what, that's what he wants to do. When you are a pocket quarterback and you have a line that you're not really sure about, I don't know that that's necessarily going to give you the best chance to get to the NFL. And you have a receiving core who we don't really know much about because they're just the island of misfit toys at this point. So <laughs> it, I, I understand the move. Um, that said, the fan base, I think, is going – I think they're, they're, there's optimism, again, cautious optimism for Emery coming in from Arizona State. Uh, he was a highly recruited player when he was recruited at Florida. Uh, even at Arizona State, he, he was injured last year. Um, so they're, they're, it's hard to look at those stats and know what a full season looks like. And he's in a new system now with – Scott Satterfield likes to run the ball behind a line who you don't really know what you have there. He's going to have plenty of opportunity to run the ball this year. Yeah. Cincinnati, I think is one of the most interesting opponents for OU fans to watch, not just, you know, for the game, the matchup in September, but the entire year, because you guys are going through what OU fans will go through a year from now, a very successful program in the AAC recruited at a really high level, better than, a lot of other programs like better classes than Texas tech and K state and TCU and so on and so forth. Like the Bearcats are, are solid there, um, but they're stepping up to another level of competition in the big 12, something OU will do when they go to the sec. And there's, there's probably some adjustment period of, of kinds as you get used to the new digs and, and find footing potentially at least Vegas thinks that uh, at this point, because we just saw wind totals come out uh, Cincinnati, Right. place very unusually low for that program at four and a half okay. wins. Um, and like you mentioned at the beginning, you know, there's 40 new players. There's uh, a lot of uncertainty about like, we got a new coach, we got a new league. What, you know, what are we really going to expect? Um, I'll put you on the spot today. Like, you know, knowing what you know now with all those unknowns, are you going to take the over or the under on that four and a half? I'm going to have to take the over. And I say that because looking at the, uh, somebody had dropped the, estimated over-unders for every game of the season. And I think there were six of them that were coin flips, essentially. And if you're looking at those, there were, there were three that we were heavily favored, and there were, there were I think six or seven that were coin flips. If you're in the stats and you're looking at those as coin flips, when I say coin flips, I'm looking at 
anything that's I think three and a half or less, three, three and a half or less, whatever it was. Um, either way, but yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of games to have not a huge spread total. And if you start, luck has generally been on Cincinnati's side of late, and we'll see if that continues with Scott Satterfield as opposed to Luke Fickle and his regime. Uh, you figure out a way, and when you're already kind of being gifted three wins uh, between Kansas and Eastern Kentucky and uh, Miami, um, all you have to do is find two more to beat that four and a half over under, and I'm okay with that. And Aaron, I think one of the things that is kind of working in Bearcats' favor on that is this isn't going to be your your traditional Big Twelve, where you know you've definitely got OU and Texas, you know, clear one and two at the top. There has been a lot of turnover, uh, you know, with over the course of this offseason, Obviously, with TCU losing a lot, Oklahoma State has kind of you know been decimated with their roster and some of their coordinator changes that they've had and. Um, you know, obviously you guys are going to be tested right out of the gate with three of your first five, you know, being at Pitt, uh, Oklahoma in, you know, at home. And then obviously you got to make the trip out to uh, West Coast to take on BYU. But uh, I think one of the things that Adam and I always get a kick out of is, you know, we always pick one to two, you know, true road games that we always want to, you know, partake and make it a destination trip out of. But for all the OU fans that are going to be traveling out to Cincinnati uh, for uh, that, that weekend in September, what's one thing that visiting OU fans should see or do in that area that isn't a Bengals or a Reds or a game or anything like that? Well, first and foremost, Nippert Stadium itself is one of the oldest stadiums in the entire country. It is right in the heart of campus, which is and campus is set in the city. You are you are in in a, an urban area, and the stadium is is right in the middle of campus. You walk; it's, it's kind of a, a bowl stadium. You walk down into the stadium, um, and it only holds forty thousand, and it's loud as hell for forty thousand. Um, it's it, most opponents the entire time that we were in the AAC would talk about they did not enjoy going to Cincinnati. So that's one of the things that you should check out. Um, outside of that, there are a ton of local breweries in Cincinnati. So if you are coming, there are, there's a, a lot of good food, a, a, and I, I think you guys are going to be getting to the food stuff. Uh, but, but there are a ton of local breweries that are – within a quick Uber ride away from campus. I'm not sure if you're staying downtown, if you're staying even in some of the uh, suburban areas, but there are literally probably well over a hundred breweries spread throughout the city. And there are plenty of places to go wet your palate. Yeah. Is there kind of give an idea for OU fans, because this is totally different than Norman where it's a college town on game days. You can tell where the center of everything is focused, but Cincinnati's massive, massive city. So is there is there something maybe around the stadium, around campus or something like that, that is like your go-to spot, like for just hanging out before or after the games, or maybe like a, a great food spot that you would recommend that's like right there kind of has that university flavor to it? Uh, when you're on campus, you can tell where the tailgating is happening. It's pretty much in every garage that's right around um, campus. They're, they're, once you cross the street and get to literally on campus, um, but there's also a place called the Grid that's right near the stadium, uh, North Side, um, where is it's a giant party. Um, I think you can actually rent out um, tables that are set up for you, tents that are set up for you, even as an, an opposing visitor. Um, you can still rent that stuff out. You just have to do it through the, the website. Um, and traditionally, I, I would think that you'd probably be 
fairly welcome. I, I don't know that I've walked through and seen anybody really haggling or, or heckling fans just walking through the tailgate, at least at least before the game, before the, the pops are really settling in. But um, yeah, as far as a, a place around the game or around the stadium um, for food, uh, Adriatico's is a pizza place. It's a pretty good spot to go to. Max Pizza is another one that's a pretty good spot to go to. Um, those are right near campus, um, but they're also going to be jam-packed. So uh, get there early if you're going to try and, and get there for some some food. Uh, but there's there's plenty of spots if you can't get into one of those. Hmm. Well, one last thing here, Aaron, then we'll let you get out of here. Let me kind of tie this back to football. Obviously, Oklahoma fans um, very familiar with you know the brand of football that Cincinnati's played over the last few years. Obviously, with Luke Fickle being there, you know the the spread, the run and gun, you know high powered, high scoring offenses. But obviously, with Scott Satterfield coming you know into this program from Louisville. What can Oklahoma fans expect when they see the Cincinnati team trot out? Is this going to be more of the the spread formation, is or is this going to be more of like your traditional, uh, you know, maybe uh, you know, two running backs, two tight ends type look? What should OU fans expect uh, when we make the trip up to Cincinnati to uh, take on this Bearcats team? Scott Satterfield is going to run the ball. He is going to run the ball. You will probably see. I would imagine. Uh, and this will probably happen all season long, but I, I would imagine that you will see three to four running backs every single game the Bearcats play. So uh, bet the under. <laughs> well, I mean, and the offense isn't even going to be Cincinnati's strength. The the defense is truly going to be Cincinnati's strength. The uh, okay. the de- defensive line is, uh, I think, between the, the three starters, depending on who actually gets the starts, you have roughly uh, close, close to – 15-ish years of experience there on the okay. defensive line. Okay. And that's a th- that's three guys. Yeah. Well, uh, a sol- solid running game and good defense. That's a good uh, blueprint for success. So uh, find we'll out. see what they can do in year one. So, Adam, what else you got, man? Uh, just hearing that experience on the defensive line is going to make every OU fan jealous because we are constantly seeking a defensive line that can, can do that uh, type of uh, work along there in the trenches. Yeah, Dante Corleone was was PFF's uh, number two uh, ranked defensive player last year, and uh, that was behind teammate Ivan Pace, who was number one defensive player last year. Wow, Ivan, thank you. Ivan Pace went to the NFL. So Dante Corleone at number two as a sophomore. So damn. Yeah. Damn. I mean, I, I think generally, like speaking, I think Cincinnati has a lot of respect right now, but it could definitely be more. Um, just based mm-hmm. on, you know, the talent and like we mentioned earlier, just the recruiting and everything that you know, has been going on for quite a while before, you know, the Big Twelve move was announced. Um, you know, Cincinnati was recruiting, you know, up there with a lot of teams in the Big Twelve if not much better. So um, there's definitely going to be uh, a challenge for the Sooners there. And, and Aaron, we greatly appreciate your time and, and jumping on with us. Um, I know we mentioned, um, you know, you're, you're part of uh, the uh, Bearcat Bounce podcast and you're there at, at bearcatjournal.com, which is a part of 247. I know a lot of OU fans are a part of that network uh, via, you know, OU's 247 site. So I believe there's a lot of carryover there and being able to check out your work. But is there any, anything else that you want to shout out before, uh, uh, before the end of our interview here? Uh, we also do a nightly show called The Nightcap. Um, everything can be found on our YouTube channel, uh, Bearcat Journal. Um, but, but yeah, we have a nightly show where we talk about anything that is Bearcat-related. Um, right now, it's been not a whole lot of fun with everything going on with crazy Bob Huggins. 
Um, <laughs> uh, but but uh, then we also have a, another show weekly on Wednesdays called the BCJ Pod uh, that I produce. So yeah, a lot very of stuff nice. going on at Bearcatcher. Cool. Well, we're very appreciative of uh, you coming on and joining us, giving us some of your time, Aaron. You know, as we get a little bit closer to the season, especially game week, uh, OU Cincinnati on Saturday, September 23rd. Hopefully we can uh, have you back on, talk a little bit more X's and O's uh, and what both of these two teams expect to bring to, bring to the table uh, once uh, college football season gets here. So, Aaron, appreciate your time, man. Yeah, for sure. And just want to reiterate again to all of our listeners, want to appreciate Aaron Smith of Bearcat Journal, affiliate with 247 Sports and the Bearcat Bounce podcast for joining us tonight. You can find all of his work, especially on Twitter, at ACSmith37. So, Aaron, again, appreciate you taking the time. Adam, let's talk some diamond sports. Uh, we'll uh, Let's start with the good news on this one. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma softball, Patty Gasso squad wraps up another Big 12 championship, another three-game sweep uh, of the dreaded pokes up in Stillwater. So, I mean, what what more can we say? It's just it's postseason time. This is what we finally been looking forward to. I don't want to say that the, this regular season is kind of dr- drug on, but anytime your team goes forty nine and one with the perfect eighteen zero in conference play, we're all you know we're we're ready for for uh, postseason play. Let's get here. Let's ramp the competition up a little bit, and let's see if we can't go win another national championship. So, just thoughts, Adam, as a whole uh, on what you saw from the Sooners up in Stillwater this past weekend. Yeah, credit to OSU. I think they gave a much stiffer challenge than I was expecting. Um, you know, they came into that matchup losing something like six or seven of their last nine games or so. And um, they really gave OU a run for their money pretty much in every game. You know, there's tense moments in, in pretty much all of them. At the same time, though, you know, me as a fan, and I feel like from a lot of OU fans, it was kind of like, yeah, so what? Like, OU will find a way to win. They'll find a way to come back in the seventh inning if that's what it takes. Uh, mm-hmm. and oh, you tweeted out like it is inevitable and it really does feel that way. And at some point, I don't know if it's this year or 10 years from now or whatever, but that's not going to be the case. And oh, you will lose a game, you know, whatever it might be. And it'll totally shock me and confuse me because at this point, I just like, I don't, I don't know who's being this team in general and you got OSU's best shot and, uh, it, it really didn't matter. And in fact, you look at the lineup, you know, Tiare had, uh, you know, a double that kind of won one of those games. Grace Lyons had a, a key hit, but for the most part, you know, Tiare was, was fairly quiet. Jada was pretty quiet by her standards. So it was coming from unexpected places. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you, you tweeted about it uh, on Saturday that Kirsten Deal, uh, she comes in and, and deals away, you know, so to speak. So there was just a lot of contributions from, you know, just a major team effort there and, you love to see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, you go on the road to your, you know, in-state rival, your arch rival, a top ten team in Oklahoma State, and you know, you sweep them three straight games, outscoring them seventeen to six. I mean, that's going to make that's going to make any and every single you know OU fan smile when when talking about this. But really, you know, as good as the uh, Friday and Sunday games were, the the one that's going to stick out to everybody is going to be that performance on Saturday from Kirsten Deal. Uh, you know, from the uh, the heroics in the seventh inning where. You know, the uh, Oklahoma State, you know, freshman pitcher, you know, Kyra Acock, who was throwing the game of her life. And, you know, we've always talked about it all season long. And, you know, each of the last couple of seasons, it's going to take, you know, a almost a, a heroic effort from a pitcher, you know, throwing the best game, you know, of the season, if not one of the best games of their career to give their team an opportunity to beat a team as talented as, as Patty Gasso squad at Oklahoma. But, I mean, just kind of going down this list, man, you saw what this team never giving up 
fighting all the way, fighting tooth and nail all the way to the very end. Patty talked about it in the post game. You know, as th- that team sincerely feels like, as long as they have one pitch left, as long as they have just one out left, they there th- no you know the, there's no uh, deficit that is out of reach for the for this softball team. So you just look at what this team did at the top of the seventh. You know, down two nothing. Uh, Jocelyn Erickson opens the inning up with a double, and then Alina Torres comes up right after her with an RBI single to cut that deficit to two to one. Probably the biggest boneheaded decision, which again, I guess we can talk touch about uh, on that just a little bit, Adam. You know, um, Kenny Gaiesti going away uh, from uh, Kyra Acock and you know going back with his you know his veteran, you know his MVP of that team, and, and Kelly Maxwell, who again, as good as she's been all season long, I mean, I don't want to say that she choked, but. I mean, she she kind of choked. I mean, you know, hit by pitches, you know, throwing balls uh, away from the catcher into the backstop. So she did not give, you know, her best performance like what we've seen uh, from the product out of Stillwater. But, you know, she comes in, uh, hits Riley Boone, and then Tiari Jennings, two RBI double to give Oklahoma the 3-2 lead. And then, oh, by the way, we're going to tack on an insurance run of our own with Sidney Sanders, you know, having an RBI single. So um, what a difference it makes when you trust your freshman. Obviously, you know, Kenny, uh, you know, Gajewski, um, choosing to take the the pitcher that got them to this point, obviously given six solid innings where she'd only given up, uh, you know, no runs going into that final frame, and then uh, obviously uh, Patty closing the deal out with uh, lefty freshman sensation Kirsten Deal. That's got to give her a lot of confidence, especially going into the postseason. Now uh, we knew that you know the the pitching staff of you know Ball, May, and Starocco. Uh, was as dominant as what we've seen in college softball all year long. But, oh, by the way, we've got a freshman southpaw that we feel just as comfortable throwing out there in critical situations as well. So just a fantastic performance by this crew um, and very excited for uh, postseason play to be here, Adam. Yeah, and we talked about a few weeks ago when OU traveled down to LSU and how that's a great environment for them to go to, to play on the road in a tough uh, area. But, uh, yeah. You know, at the same time, you look at it and go, well, OU's really never going to have to do that to win a championship because the World Series is in Oklahoma City. And really, now that you're past the Stillwater Series, I mean, in my mind, nothing is going to be harder than that. You might play some better teams in UCLA and Florida State or Tennessee even, but you're doing that in front of your home crowd, essentially, in Oklahoma City. So um, it's it's not going to be you know that much tougher. Now, here's an element that we kind of texted back and forth, you and I and, and Corbin, a uh, former host of the uh, mainline podcast talking about, you know, it, I, I think it was Corbin actually that mentioned that, yeah, it's good to see a test of this team before they head into postseason. But let me, let me play the opposite side of this because I'm of the opinion that I don't necessarily need to see the machine tested. The machine works, the machine dominates. And so I'd rather them just go mop the floor with everybody. If you're really the the best team, the factory that's going to just churn out win after win after win after run rule after run rule, do you really need to be tested? I mean, we've got Jada Coleman, who's won two national championships on this team. Nicole May has won two national championships on this team. Uh, you know, Jordy Ball has won a national Jennings. championship. Like across the board, there's there's experience. It's really just like your Sidney Sanders, your Haley Lees that – maybe haven't played in the postseason or haven't played in those really big spotlight games, but elsewhere on the team, everybody else has done this. They've won multiple national championships. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got the experience, you've got the domination from top to bottom. And just to kind of to, to borrow a couple of statistics from Soonersports.com when they were writing the, uh, the wrap up uh, for this series up in Stillwater. I mean, on the season, Adam, you look at how dominant that this program has been all season long They're They outscored their opponents in the regular season. Keep in mind, 49 wins, one losses. They outscored their op- opponents 408 to 43 
total. In conference play, they outscored their opponents 124 to 17. That's to go with a team batting average, nation's best 368, while the pitching staff led the country in total combined ERA at .87. So again, in a double elimination format, like what is it? What it's going to be once you get into regional, super regional, and into the you know college world series? If Oklahoma ultimately ends up making it there. I know that UCLA, I know that Tennessee, I know that Florida State, they're starting to pick things up a little bit. They're they're playing some really really good softball at the right time here at the end of the season. But again, when you look at this team with the experience, with the lineup of the hitters, with the the balance in this pitching staff from top to bottom. I just don't see it any way feasible that there's a team out there that's going to be able to take this team down two two games out of three. Like I just simply don't see it right now. Again, I'm going to knock on wood. Obviously, we don't want to you know jinx it, but again, with how well this team has been playing, with with the the coach that they have in place, who's been through this time after time after time, she's got more you know she's got more rings on one hand than she has fingers. That's how dominant that this uh, Patty Gasso has been. But once now that we are into postseason play, and it's going to take two two uh, two losses to eliminate this team, I just simply don't see it happening. Especially if this team can continue to execute and pitch the way that they have uh, for you know the better part of the last six to eight weeks. Postseason play starts this Friday with the Big 12 tournament. OU gets the uh, first game off, and then they'll play the winner of Baylor and Iowa State. OU just has to win one game to get into the championship game on Saturday, which in most likelihood they'll probably play Texas or Oklahoma State coming up from the yeah. bottom of the bracket there. Mm-hmm. And I... I sit here and I think this must be what it feels like to be a Kansas fan in basketball because you go into this tournament, the number one overall seed, it's locked up. Like there's no debate there. Oh, he's going to be the number one overall seed. Um, they'll be at home through the super regionals uh, going into the college world series. So I, I'm not saying that anyone on this team is not interested in winning that. I'm sure they're going to try, you know, as much as they can, but we did see some injuries. We saw Jada get a little bit, um, you know, beat up. We saw, um, Kinsey Hansen. Hansen didn't play after Friday. So there's a couple couple players there that potentially could be seeing some rest in this tournament. I'm not saying that Patty's not going to try to win, but maybe maybe I'll put this more of like the fan perspective. Yes, we'd like to see a winning streak continue, but do we even really care if OU wins or do we or is or is it going to be valuable for a lot of freshmen and younger players to get more experience here in the spotlight? Well, yeah, you absolutely care if, if OU wins. You want to continue the streak that you've been on all season long, playing dominant softball. You want to win another conference championship uh, you know, trophy uh, in the tournament play this upcoming weekend. But I, I think that you're in a situation right now, Adam, when you're talking about you know the the current state of some of these uh, some of the players on this team. You know how healthy they are. You mentioned Kenzie Hansen. You mentioned Jada Coleman, who's a little bit banged up. You're not going to need a fully 100% healthy Kenzie Hansen to win the Big 12 tournament this weekend. But once you do find yourself in the super regional where you've got to take two out of three, or you find yourself in a situation where you're having to knock off a Tennessee or take two out of three in the championship series over the Bruins or the Knolls, you need to have all hands on deck at 100% to you know be able to put your best foot forward. So. Again, the Oklahoma is not going to need a healthy 100% Kenzie Hansen in the lineup on Friday and, and Saturday to win the Big 12. Uh, but you better believe that if she's healthy and, and, and is able to go, she's going to be in the lineup behind the plate, uh, or at least in the lineup as the uh, designated player. So, again, it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, again, I, I I don't want to downplay the significance of you know winning another Big 12 championship this upcoming weekend, but it does kind of feel like not the team by any stretch of the imagination, but it definitely feels like the fans are basically saying, okay, that fast forward button that we've been wanting to hit for, for the last three months, 
let, let's let's hit that one or two more times. Let's get into regionals uh, and uh, let's start uh, you know getting to the stage where we're advancing further and further into the postseason and ultimately this team looking to win a third consecutive national championship. So. Adam, same same tone on baseball, or we got to kind of dial it back a little bit? Return of the optimism segment. It's always the awkward transition from talking about how great softball is to how uh, frustrating and sometimes great, but sometimes really bad baseball can be. Um, let's start with some optimism, Adam's optimism segment here. The two players that are doing just exceptional work on the diamond right now. Uh, let's start on offense. Bryce Madrin. I think he's playing his way out of Norman after this season. I think he'll he'll be a great draft pick somewhere. Uh, he went seven for 11 this weekend in West Virginia. He had five uh, hits that went for extra bases, had a, a home run on Saturday uh, in pitch number three, I think it was, uh, for, for OU on the day and, and never looked back at that point where OU just held the lead for the entire day on Saturday, their only win of the weekend. Uh, so he's been exceptional. Dakota Harris, now that he's back at shortstop, um, it's just so underrated in what he's able to do defensively for this team and provide some stability in the infield, not having guys shift around as much, um, just providing that, that middle work there. Um, but behind the plate, he's super effective as well. He's going to make those timely hits. He's going to get those home runs like he had on Saturday as well. Um, so offensively, you know, there are some complaints that I think you could make mainly around the sophomores on this team that haven't made that jump after that run to Omaha, John Spikerman, Jackson, Nicholas, Wallace Clark's kind of, maybe potentially worked his way out of the line uh, lineup at this point. So you would like to see a lot more out of those guys this season, but overall the offense really is not the problem for the Sooners. I'll give a little bit of optimism here on pitching. Braden Carmichael. Excellent. He's worked his way into that number two spot on Saturday. He seems to be the best pitcher that OU has right at the moment here. He went uh, 6.2 innings on Saturday um, you know, really held that that powerful West Virginia offense in check, um, had six strikeouts there, gave OU, you know, what they needed to get into those late innings there uh, before the bullpen got called in. And OU was already in great position at that point. So uh, you got to love what you're seeing there. It's just, you know, hey, on Friday, you're <laughs> Braxton Douthat, who was our best pitcher a month ago is is kind of a little bit rocky right now we need him to get right um you can't start out a series you know with a loss on on friday and then on sunday uh i guess should we get into the the whole weather fiasco there yeah might as well i mean it definitely didn't help our chances that's for sure yeah and, and that's kind of where the pitching you know aspect comes into play because jamie hit has been fantastic the last couple of weeks yep. on that sunday spot and he's not getting the start on sunday why well west virginia as, as some people probably are already aware, you know, had the, I don't know, the crazy idea because I saw it on Friday. I said, Hey, there's, there's rain all in the forecast on Sunday. I don't know how this game is going to get played. Well, instead of playing a doubleheader on Saturday, like they really should have, and this could be maybe yeah. skip just saying, pushing back on that idea because knowing his bullpen, he probably doesn't want to have a doubleheader. He probably wants to spread that out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, but instead we start the game at 10 AM central time, knowing that there's a huge, you know, weather, uh, movement coming in with with tons of rain and so instead of going with jamie hit we go with carter uh, or carson atwood on the mound uh, basically with the idea that hey there's going to be maybe a couple innings here and then the game will get uh, postponed and jamie hit will come back and be the mm -hmm. actual starter in like you know a, a middle inning at some point um yeah. well you know that was a good in theory but for the second time this year like we saw in manhattan at the beginning of of conference play Pouring rain happens. OU is the only team that has to play defense in that. West Virginia gets a six-run lead. And then yeah. and then when Jamie Hitt does come back, he's down 6 nothing at that point. And OU battles back. And from that point forward, OU won the game once the uh, postponement happened. 
but at that point mm-hmm. it's like well you're, you're playing major catch up you're asking a lot of your team to um, to get back on track there so all that to say it's frustrating you got seven games left on the schedule there's no midweek this week because the finals you're going on the road to spokane Mm-hmm. I hope that it looks like that game is going to be on the WCC West coast conference network. I hope, I hope we're able to watch that. I hope it's not a pay thing because it looks beautiful uh, view from the stadium there. I don't know. Have you, yeah. you haven't been there. Have you? No, I haven't. Okay. Uh, although I'm uh, dating a, a former Gonzaga grad and uh, who is also uh, a sister of a, a former Gonzaga pitcher. So I've been hearing about it nonstop for the last couple of days. And Oklahoma kind of finds himself in an interesting situation, Adam, where it's, you know, it's kind of put up or shut up time. You're on the outside looking in as far as postseason play uh, comes, if it's going to come to fruition. You're sitting at 500 right now in Big 12 Conference play, 26-22 and 22 on the year. If you can find a way to go up to Spokane this upcoming weekend, take two out of three against the Zags. And then that kind of gives you some more good momentum coming back home for the final four-game stretch of the season. You've got the midweek uh, against UT Arlington out at Eldale next uh, next Tuesday night, followed by you know an opportunity that Oklahoma is going to have coming into this season, where we thought you know if there's going to be an opportunity for OU to go into Bedlam in that final weekend of the season to you know play their way into potentially a top four seed. Uh, in the Big 12 uh, Conference Tournament, uh, that's going to be an opportunity for Skip Johnson's uh, crew to be able to do so. So, uh, again, you've got to uh, hope that the bullpen uh, can continue to tr- try to find their footing, uh, get a little bit more consistency from uh, from some of the weekend starting rotation guys, uh, and just hope that a couple of these guys that have been uh, you know just crushing it, hope that they uh, keep swinging the bat as well as they have been the last couple of weeks. But, um, uh, again, not don't feel too good about it right now. I know we're sitting on the outside looking in, but you still have a little bit more time. Uh, we'll see if this team can't close it out with uh, with two series wins uh, to to finish the regular season, and then you know maybe figure out a way to to win a couple of games in the conference tournament and uh, sneak your way into one of those final spots. Because uh, let's face it, if, if Oklahoma can figure out a way to just simply make a regional, then once you get into postseason play. It, 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 anything's possible. We, we saw that a year ago. So it's just up to Skip Johnson's crew to play uh, good enough baseball uh, to where they can position themselves to, you know, compete for a postseason berth. Yeah. I, I don't care what happens once you get to postseason play. It's just, you got to be there. You have to have that, that yeah. mark on the wall of, Hey, we made it to postseason two years in a row because I, my brain can't compute this constant roller coaster of like world series, uh, last year to no postseason this year to, right. you know, no postseason in 2021 to the 2020 team that we all automatically give a trip to Omaha, even though it never actually happened. Um, but there's just constant roller coaster, this yo-yo of, of outcomes that shouldn't happen for a program like OU. And now some good things did happen. Like you went two and two this past weekend. You got to win against Dallas Baptist. So you at least split. You rose in the RPI. It's up to 45 right now. I think when you go to Spokane and play Gonzaga, I think you do have to sweep. That's a team that mm-hmm. um, was good last year. They're not as good this year. They've lost most of their their games to power uh, programs that they've played throughout the year. So I think you have to sweep there. And I think you do have to win two out of three against OSU. You don't want to uh, finish below 500 in, in conference play. So their backs are against the wall. We'll see what they're able to come out with. But um, mm-hmm. at least they still, still have a shot right now. Although no one's projecting them in, I think they're kind of in that probably next five to eight out at this point. But mm-hmm. Like you can still work your way in. It's, it's still a chance. And I didn't think we'd be saying that probably even four weeks ago. 
yeah, I mean, you you can only control what you can control. You've uh, you know got to go out there and take care of business for the next couple of weeks, and then honestly, um, as much as I hate to say it, you got to kind of root for a little bit of help. Some of these other teams that are ranked, you know, a few spots ahead of you, you've got to pray that you know they don't have a very successful finish to the regular season. Maybe you know a Georgia or another team gets bounced in the opening game of the SEC tournament, and we'll see if that can't help Oklahoma because there's going into this, Adam, with you know RPI being such a you know, a, a big proponent uh, of, you know, making the postseason play all, all these, all these different analytics and, you know, uh, stat metrics, different things like that. It's all going to be, you know, raked over with a fine tooth comb and Oklahoma is going to need everything in their favor uh, ultimately to uh, lock up one of those regional spots. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I hate, I, I don't like the feeling, you know, whether it's with uh, basketball over the past few years or, you know, the, the potential feeling that's looming uh, with, uh, you know, with baseball where, you know, you're competing for a national championship, but then you fast forward a year later and you're struggling to even make it to the first round of postseason play. So finding that consistency, we'll see if Skip Johnson's crew uh, can't play well enough baseball over the next two weeks to uh, lock that up. Hopefully we don't have to manufacture more optimism in the Adams optimism segment. I would love to come back next week and be super pumped yeah. about this team, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll leave absolutely. that for, for next week's episode of the main line. I would greatly appreciate everyone listening. You can find uh, links to our, our social media pages here in the show notes. You can find our guest Aaron's uh, link in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, go check out the work that uh, they're doing over there. And uh, we will see everyone again next week for another episode of the main line podcast. Mm-hmm.